Well, welcome to the Robin Walter Show and the last program of 2023. My goodness, I remember a long time ago that it seemed impossible that I would make it to the year 2000. It just seemed like an eternity away. And here we are launching into 2024. Well, today's program is not so much a summary of events as such, but more an indication of where we are at the end of this year before we launch into a year where I anticipate our programming to broaden. And broaden in the sense that, and I don't know if I'll get to it today, I was going to give you one uh, article today that I wanted to cover, how life is changing and how we need to change not our values, not our reliance on the word, but being more circumspect in what we do, with whom we associate, uh, particularly with whom we communicate. And I cannot help but draw this concern now that I am two-thirds of the way through the book Bonhoeffer. So I'm up to about page 380. It goes to, I don't know, 560. It's a big book. And I do not read fast anymore. I used to read fairly quickly until I went to law school. And you don't speed read contracts, folks. You don't speed read briefs. Uh, law school was not made to, uh, it's not there to help you get 80% of the content. Because the 20% is your death knell that you get wrong. So I have slowed down and that's impacted that I read everything for content. I mean, every email I get, I try to read every word so that I don't miss anything. So it's just a uh, um, professional affliction, I guess you might say. But in any event, uh, we're going to cover a broader range of things in 2024 as they come up, as they deal with the survivability going forward. And I'd like to call it the thriveability. Can we thrive in bad times? Uh, not just survive, but, but thrive. And thrive in the best way, that we would prosper, as it says in Scripture, I pray that you prosper even as your soul prospers. And so, can we be there? Yes, we can in God's timing, God's way, maybe not providing, of course, all our wants, but certainly our needs. And the various things that we are going to have to be on the lookout for that we have never, ever had to really pay much attention to is going to be what, it's not new, but it's newer, and it's catching the attention of people as it got the attention of me this week dealing with our food supply. I don't know if I'll get to that piece or not, because I want to wrap up this year with kind of an overview that kind of indicates where we are, and kind of where we are, like I said, it doesn't matter where we are, it only matters what direction you're going. And we aren't going in the right direction. You know that. 
I've told you that many times. This program has been a watchman on the wall kind of program from Ezekiel 33, from which I drew the inspiration uh, for the program, which originally had, well, I had different names. We were Sovereign America for a while, uh, but then I realized America really wasn't that sovereign. That didn't seem to apply. And, um, you know, we were free California, like we were, at a time when I was in California, kind of like we were stuck behind the red curtain, um, calling for freedom through the airwaves. And, uh, well, I left California. That didn't seem to really fit anymore, and California seems bent on finding its own particular path to hell. Except, and I, this is why I, I'm glad this story popped up, there is one California city. Southern California City, this was what makes it special. Now, if you're up there in Red Bluff and Redding, maybe Chico, Paradise, that part of the state, Lassen, the north, particularly the extreme north, northeastern part of the state of California, there are a lot of true, freedom-loving, righteous people. It's a great part of the state. It's a part of the state that would like to leave California and join uh, either Oregon or Idaho or a little or divvy it up half to one, half to the other. I don't know. That's not going to happen because it's impossible constitutionally for it to happen. It's impossible for a state, a portion of a state, to secede from a state. So I don't see that happening. But the fact that this is occurring in Southern California gave me hope that no matter how dark it is, anywhere it is, somewhere there is a bright light. God will not let his light be extinguished. It may be dimmed. It may be curtailed. Uh, They may close the door so the light doesn't get out of the room that it's in. But they can't extinguish it. You can't bring darkness. Light dispels darkness. Darkness does not dispel light. It can suppress it. It can try to control it, which is what the left is all about. But not in this California city, the city of Huntington Beach. And this is a surprise to me. I mean, you know, San Diego used to be red, eastern, uh, parts of of L.A. actually were red. The central coast area is red. It's all blue. It's all gone in the tank. It's all gone so far left. So far left to the point that I have kind of pondered the idea, gee, maybe it would be a good idea if the earth really was flat. Because as the left goes further left, they would just simply eventually fall off, right? They just fall off the planet, get rid of them that way, keep going left. I encourage them to go left, and then they just fall off. Well, anyway, Huntington Beach has done something no other city has done in Southern California. Others maybe maybe not have done it, but they never had to do it because they didn't because some cities never celebrated Queer Month, Pride Month. The city canceled it. The city canceled Black History Month. The city canceled Women's History Month. Now, if you think that Huntington Beach is just an old waspy town, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, you'd be very incorrect. There's a lot of ethnicities in that town, but it seems like there has been a coagulation, I guess, of different ethnicities that have the right mind and perspective, maybe biblical, maybe just freedom-loving, independent of, of Scripture. I don't know. 
But God bless you, Huntington Beach. If I ever move back to Southern California, I know where to, to live. Number two, the good news is that there is the very first state, the very first state that has totally yanked Disney from its state portfolio as far as investing for retirement funds and, you know, pensions and so forth. They were so sick and tired of what Disney was has done, is doing, has done, and it is the great state of South Carolina. The state of South Carolina. In fact, I just have to read you this. So according to Gamecock State at South Carolina, they're the Gamecocks, South Carolina State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, the decision to divest Disney has to do with the company's management abandoning their fiduciary responsibilities. He goes on, and I quote, I think it's clear. Now, this is the state treasurer saying this. I think it's clear to anybody paying attention that there is structural rot inside of Disney. It's deep. It's pervasive. And I suspect that Bob Iger, since his return as CEO, now realizes it can't be fixed. End quote. Of course, Disney has had to cut its ticket prices uh, for kids, trying to lure people back in so they can continue their subtle, indirect um, grooming uh, environment, if you will. But this actually also brings up something related to the current political campaign. Ron DeSantis has been the spearhead of the woke, the anti-woke policies of the state of Florida, particularly with Disney in the crosshairs from whether it's a CRT, 16, 19 project, queer this, queer that, tranny this, tranny that, and has made it increasingly uncomfortable for Disney to do business in that state and to, of course, impact surrounding counties throughout the state, the maybe the southeast, but the whole country to some extent, with its influence of debauchery. There is one person, though, who specifically stated that that person would welcome Disney into their state. If DeSantis says, we'll take Disney, we don't, didn't care, couldn't give a rat's rear end about the negative moral impact that that company would have in that particular state. And who was that person? Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley would welcomed, wanted to welcome, and did welcome, it didn't happen, said she would welcome, apparently, the decadence that defines Disney. The DDD, the decadence of... So, uh, sorry, Nikki, you know, I don't like her particularly anyway, as you know from previous programs. But anyway, that's our good news, and it's, and it's, I like it when, no matter how dark it gets, there's just these little lights that pop up, that pop, whether it's in Huntington Beach, whether it's in Columbia, South Carolina, a town I know well. I took the South Carolina State Bar. I passed it. Yes, I did. 
I handled one personal injury case in South Carolina, and um, I decided I just wasn't quite ready for that amount of bugs and humidity. But they are lovely people. Uh, they really, truly are. I have good law school friends that practice there, and they are just salt-of-the-earth lawyers, and uh, appreciate them very much. But these lights that pop up, they just thrill me. And you know, Oral Roberts, many, many years ago, said that the goal of Oral Roberts University was to, um, to train up students to do one thing in particular, but to do it in all the professions, whether it was teaching, whether it was business administration, whether it was law, whether it was medicine. He said to, to go where the light is dim. That was Oral Roberts' mission. He said, we want to reach all of society through all of the professions and all of the occupations so that when they go out, they can go to where the light is dim. And it doesn't take much light, does it, to light something that's dark? I mean, look, if you go into your garage, totally dark, don't turn the light on, but you light a match, a stinking little tiny match. No, you know, the whole place isn't lit up. I'm not going to say it's it's uh, it's uh, packed with lumens. I guess isn't that the, uh, the uh I don't know, the measuring rod for the amount of light. I think it is X amount of lumens. But anyway, but it's enough to see your way around the garage. That little tiny match will allow you to move around in an otherwise dark space. And that's the beauty of God's people, God's word, when God is inside the heart of the person and that person doesn't uh, back off from it. They become a light wherever they are. And there's a lot of places that are very dark. And I might mention to you, this is kind of an interesting thing. When we started, uh, well, Red Sky Radio, it's what it's been most of the years, but it goes back to 2005. So we've been on the air for 18 years now. And we launched this program in um, different states. And it was in, <laughs> and the states... Well, I'll just kind of kind of go through them. We were in Huntsville, Alabama. We were in Tupelo, Mississippi. We were in Chattanooga, Tennessee, kind of the heart of the Bible Belt. But we were in San Francisco, in Santa Maria, California, ultimately up in Chico, California, and probably the most dominant station in Las Vegas. And where did this program su succeed, and where did it seem to fail? I'll tell you where it failed. And it failed miserably in Huntsville, Alabama, Tupelo, Mississippi, Chattanooga, Tennessee. And why? Because that it was such a heathen area that they had no appreciation or interest in hearing anything biblical that related to world events or national events or society as a whole. No. No, they had that from 12 other stations or I'm sorry, 12 other programs that were on the radio through other stations. There was so much light in that area that what I said did not resonate. It was a little hard, talked a little fast. It was a little too harsh for some of the more sensitive people in the South. God bless them. I love the Southern. Every time I'm there, 
I have a great time, and it's because of the people I have met. But where did the program thrive? The program had thrived in San Francisco. Well, it was dark. That's a dark place, right? And uh, sadly, that particular station was sold to uh, to a Spanish network, which, and I'm uh, no hable espanol Walter here, so that didn't work, but it thrives in Las Vegas. And in the places that were, by our standards, the darkest. But where it's the darkest, the smallest amount of light can have its biggest impact. And so my marketing has been 100% wrong. I was, I said, well, it'll never work in San Francisco or Las Vegas, but it's going to fly off a fly off a shelf in the South. And uh, it was a dud in the South and well-received where people grasp for the light of the word living in otherwise darkened areas. So to that end, I'm not really sure where I'm going with that. Other than the fact that I'm just kind of making that same point here year end as, as, as things are getting increasingly dark and you're going to hear darkness starting in about 30 seconds. It's kind of a summation of where we are right now, which is probably an indication of where we're going. But I want to start with the light and this, the power of the light. And whether it's Huntington Beach, whether it's South Carolina, I don't care if it's in your neighborhood. And maybe, most of all, maybe in your church where there needs to be a light. And reading that book, Bonhoeffer, one thing is very clear, that the church in pre-World War II Germany had by and large simply succumbed to the culture, imitated the political nature of Germany and the, and the state, so to speak. They were not the church as a church was meant to be, standing and having done all to stand, having done all to stand, to stand therefore, to speak the word of God with love, but with firmness, boldness, clarity, and frequency. Okay. That's the warm-up. Now to the uh, to the rest of the stuff here, but I've got to cover some things kind of closing out 2023. One of them was maybe no huge surprise to me, but the, a poll, a very reliable poll, I might mention, by the uh, Network Contagion Research Institute, which polled a lot of people to find out where Americans were with respect to not just general support of Israel versus general support of Hamas, but let's go to the deeper issue, the ultimate issue, since Hamas and basically the Palestinians by and large want to eliminate Israel. The question then came down to is where, what demographic age-wise, age demographic, is most supportive or desirous of actually eliminating Jews and Israel from the face of the earth. You ready? Generation Z. Now, every time generation Gen Z, Gen X, whatever, comes up, I end up having to go to the Internet to find out, okay, now what age group is that? Okay, since I'm a boomer, you know, the ones millennial I got because those are my kids. Uh, you get down to generations X and Z, I get a little bit 
more confused. That is, uh, Generation Z are those who are currently age 11 to age 26. 11 to 26. Now keep that age group in mind when I give you this next statistic. 660, not 16. 60% of Generation Z, while acknowledging that October 7th was a brutal massacre, which included burning whole families alive and beheading babies, 60% of Generation Z considers that what the Palestinians did was totally justified. 60%, three out of every five. Now, is this by accident that the most anti-Semitic apparently in Generation Z? No, not at all. Because Generation Z would include those who um, have been in college, right? Obviously, uh, maybe four years following high school and then whatever uh, post whatever the post-secondary education path includes, would probably have them wrapped up by 26. Lawyers are lawyers by age 26. Doctors are doctors by age 26 in most cases. But this is where, why is it that they are the most anti-Semitic? Because they're the ones that have been inside anti-Semitic universities, like Harvard, Yale, MIT, and all the other Jew-hating places all over the United States that are occupied by the extreme left. Now, that's not the only coinkydink here. It was starting in 2014 that Qatar, Muslim country, started to make contributions in the billions, not millions, billions of dollars to universities. That started in 2014. Their huge investment by design to change and turn the heads of impressionable youth. In 2014, your Generation Z would have been 17, years, 17 and 18 years old. They started, so in other words, this shift to anti-Semitism among, in this generation of Generation Z, started, interestingly and coincidentally, in 2017 and 18, when there were billions of dollars of Muslim Islamist money funded, funding universities. And what have the universities cranked out? One stinking stupid batch of Jew haters. 60% anyway. Boy, so you wonder where they got the idea. They got it in the in the piece of crap university they went to. Harvard sucks. Yale sucks. Sorry. You don't go 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 waste your money on a school that's going to screw you up with this kind of mentality and not even have the guts or honesty to get rid of racist plagiarizers like what's her face gay, the president of Harvard. Sheesh. This is the age bracket, 11 to 26, that identifies Jews and whites as, quote, 
oppressors and have said that non-whites have been oppressed so that they could get special privileges, that whites could get special privileges. Gee, where would they have come up with that? Not through experience. If that was the case, if that was the case through experience, then these numbers would have been the same for the last 50, 100 years, right? No, these numbers are emerging as a result of the left-wing indoctrination they get at these screwball places called institutions of higher learning, which is a gross misnomer. Well, you don't think that they, uh, Islam is having an influence that's only going to greatly, greatly increase as time goes on. Have you seen the new Minnesota flag? Minnesota has the largest concentration of Somalis in the United States, of which Ilharan Omar, the, the, uh, uh, your Palestinian apologist at large, represents. Their new flag is in ridiculously similar to the Somali flag. So the descent into an Islamic hell... Uh, you know, it's beginning in states like Minnesota and Michigan, and it just continues to increase. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> All I can say is that there, some of them are candidates for salvation. Others will want your head, maybe during your lifetime. And... One other piece related to this, because I'm going to close out my comments for the year regarding Gaza on this. And this was a, this deals with a particular store uh, in Gaza City, but it's representative of a point that I have been making. And that the Gazanians, I don't even know if that's what they're called. Some say Gazans, but I'm going to call them Gazanians because it rhymes with Iranian. There's really not much difference. I don't have much sympathy for the so-called civilians of Gaza. I simply don't. Because they have put up with and tolerated, if Hamas is such a small group, why do they continue to put up with them? Actually, when polled, 83% of Gazanian civilians support Hamas. Well, then fine. They picked the bad side. Hey, it's a war. It's like a lot of Germans who didn't like Hitler, but they hung around and stayed around that old town too long, got toasted and roasted while Berlin was bombed. War is hell. I, I get that. But you cannot defeat an enemy by leaving part of the enemy in place. Otherwise, you haven't defeated them. That was the era of George Bush number one. Oh, we won, we won the Persian Gulf War. No, you never got Saddam Hussein which was, interestingly, Bonhoeffer's point about World War II. The church was interested in trying to get Hitler to make peace. And Bonhoeffer said there could never be peace as long as Hitler remained in power. You have to get rid of the source of the evil to get rid of the evil. Now, I'm paraphrasing here. No. You cannot, you've got to get, you've got to get to the, to the wellhead, so to speak. Where does it all start? From where does it flow and get the source of it or else it will continue to flow even though you think you've stopped the flow or you've damned it for a period of time. 
it keeps producing the effect that it has that it has intended to produce, whether it's Hitler or Saddam Hussein or whether whoever it is. It doesn't matter. So the Gazanians, 83% support Hamas. The, the left-wing media would have you believe otherwise, but check this out. Here in Gaza City, there's a clothing store named Hitler 2. Hitler 2. And it's, uh, it's very, it was very popular. They would have masked mannequins holding knives to inspire Palestinian stabbing attacks against Israeli citizens. And it's very successful. They would sell shirts that would have the word stab written across the chest. The younger Palestinians clearly celebrated this store. It opened in 2015. And like one of these Palestinians says, the name of the shop is Hitler, and I like him because he was the most anti-Jewish person ever. Is this unique? No. This is actually typical in Gaza. I can't believe it. Are we to the break? That's what the music tells me. Gosh, I haven't been paying any attention. Don't go away. I got so much more I got to cover in about 25 minutes. We'll be right back with the Robin Walter Show. The Robin Walter Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. I'm a home prepared where the saints abide, just over in the glory land. And I long to be by my Savior's side, just over in the glory land. Ah, there we go. That's our future, right? Over in the glory land. That's why you can put up with anything. Anything. In this life because of the life that awaits us. Onward, upward. That's why Bonhoeffer apparently was so at peace. Even the people who executed him said, just never seen anybody who was at peace. Why? Because he was looking forward to going to the glory land. The next light, we all want life, but we don't really want more of this life, do we? No, not really. I mean, I want to live. But the reason I want to live is because I feel like I have a job that's not done. But anyway, okay, back to the Hitler 2 clothing store. What a lot of people don't realize or deny is that the Palestinians openly, openly supported Adolf Hitler during World War II. 
So should that not kind of sum up the whole situation? The Jew hating, besides the Democrats in the U.S. Congress, was most extensive in the Middle East among the Palestinians as far as being supportive of uh, getting rid of the thought if Hitler could get rid of the Jewish problem in Germany and Europe, then of course he could get rid of what they called the Jewish problem in the Middle East. So here's where you, this is where you land with Muslims slash Palestinians. I'm not making much of a distinction here. Whether it's Bashad in Syria and other Muslims who, they're those that deny the Holocaust. Half of them deny the Holocaust. The other half applaud the Holocaust. <laughs> they can figure that contradiction out, but that's where they are. Half of them deny it. Half of them applaud it. Now, you well know about, and i got to nail this guy before he spreads his poison any further, Poop Francis. Um, you know what? If you want to be Catholic, be Catholic, but to, don't try to defend Pope Francis at any level or at any time because he sort of just doesn't really do anything right, anything biblical. He's not the Antichrist, but I somehow think that he wants to be. Um, so he's okayed the blessings of queer couples. <laughs> so the, the fact that the Pope's position and alleged authority is in the office of supposedly the Apostle Peter, who is called the Rock, right, Petra. And th this is where their connection is, where they get their authority uh, and the authority given to Peter. And this is not what Jesus would support. This is what Jesus would condemn. So the Vatican has come out and officially declared possible for Catholic priests to bless queer couples. But it's under this condition. This is so ridiculous. Anybody who believes you can do this is fundamentally stupid. Under the condition that the blessings do not somehow send a mixed message about the church's teaching on sacramental marriage and don't occur within a liturgical celebration. So let's, let's understand what he's saying. He's saying we can bless these same-sex unions as long as in the blessing of the same-sex unions we don't somehow give a message that they can commit sodomy. He doesn't say that. But about the mixed message... how. We don't want to send a mixed message. You just did poop, Francis. Vatican. You just pooped on marriage, poop. That's what you did. You created the mixed message. And all I would say, in conclusion of this little article, is the confusion that you are causing by saying, let's not create a mixed message when the very your, your doctrinal statement is a mixed message. We know that Satan is the author of confusion. And he rules and reigns in the Vatican. Oh, boy, I bet you I really don't. Some of you Catholics listen to this. I hope, I under, hope you understand what I'm saying here. I'm not against you. I'm just against 
anything that gives this kind of authority or deference to somebody who is, like I said, seems to be uh, interviewing for the Antichrist. Where are we in this country? We're divisive. Uh, we got a couple of teens that stabbed, stabbed on New York City's Grand Central area. And the person stabbing them said, I want all white people dead. And I can't go into any further because it's all expletives, because the left is all about violence. It's inspired by Satan. Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. Or the or the, the shot that I saw, this was not Photoshopped, because it's a video of all these blacks that just have, were in the same T-shirt. says, kill all white people. And that's what we're hearing. I, mean, I, I see it more than I want to see it. I don't like the file that I have of black and white crime, which is over the top. But that's Satan's uh, domain. Uh, it wasn't Julius Caesar that came up with the phrase divide and conquer. It was Satan who gave it to Julius Caesar in the performance of his Gallic conquest. In other words, taking over France. So anyway, if you want to see... Well, no, no, I'm not done here yet. 73 three- and four-year-old children, 73 of them in England, have been sent off to the Gender Identity Development Service Clinic, a tranny clinic, and multiple hundreds of children under age six. Watch out for anything and everything that comes across the pond. I would tell you, there's just really, honestly, not much good of any sort that has come out of Europe in 50 years, at least 50 years. And they aren't being sent off to these uh, clinics to be treated for gender dysphoria, no. They're getting sent off to be abused and mistreated. Next, could we, at here the end of 2023, Knock off the crapola and the fascination with Taylor Swift. My gosh. I did. My, I like watching football. I do. I, I enjoy it. I'm not going to deny that. But I'm getting up, turning off, changing the channel anytime the Kansas City Chiefs are on. And I got to put up with the ugly face of Taylor Swift up there. It's all about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, who I couldn't give a rip about. And frankly, interestingly, the Kansas City Chiefs, who were a great team, have been on a horrific losing streak ever since this romance budded, and they seem to be, uh, Kelsey and Swift seem to be more popular than the Chiefs themselves. But she's she's a hypocrite. As I've mentioned several times, I can't stand her. I also, I if you go back about three weeks ago, I explained why my thought as to why I think she's ugly, and I think she is, because the headwaters, which are the heart, influence what comes out in the ocean, which is the face. And an ugly heart I see show up on a person's face. And that turns something that the world would otherwise deem beautiful, to me, personally, ugly. This may be a little strong. Um, but it's I'm a raging heterosexual. Let's make that clear, okay? I'm making a statement. I don't know if I should say this, but I've already started it. It's the end of the year, and... Next week is a new year. So if I were single, if I were married, it doesn't, I mean, I got that. But if I were single, Taylor Swift could not seduce me if she somehow got a conjugal visitor's pass 
to come and see me in solitary confinement. This is how ugly and unappealing I think this woman is. She's a hypocrite. She pushes climate change crapola while she jets all around the world in a private jet all day, every day. She's Miss LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ. I'm sure she's pro-abortion, although she seems to stay quiet on that, but she certainly doesn't come out pro-life. All right, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Hmm, I don't know. Okay, but since we're on LGBT, here is what you need to know. (laughs) Planning your next move, where do you want to move to or move from in 2024? The votes are in. The studies completed. What are the queerest states in America? Well, the queerest one is not a state. But is it any surprise that the District of Columbia, the center of U.S. government, has the queerest population of any geographic entity in the United States? This is a UCLA study just released. 14.3% of the population of D.C. is is queer as a $3 bill. 14.3%. What have we heard all along? Why do the queers get away with all this? How can they push themselves around since they're only 2 or 3% of the population? You see, even the people on the right somehow accept the fact that isn't a fact. They claim it's a fact and that, that this is genetic. Well, if it were in fact genetic, which it isn't, Scripture makes it clear from 1 Corinthians, it is not genetic. Homosexuality is lumped with a whole bunch of other sins, which are sins of choice. There's no such thing as sexual orientation. There's such, there is such a thing as sexual preference. But you see, if it was genetic and 2% of the population was queer, then in 25 years, probably 2% of the population would be queer. I mean, what changes the genetic component here? The drinking water? What we are eating and our food from China? No, because it isn't orientation, it's preference. You don't get to 14.3% genetically. Look, black folks have black children. White folks have white children. Hispanics have Hispanic children. It doesn't change. That that genetic component keeps the numbers comporting with the genetic expectations. There's no queer gene. What, the, what this represents is the increased queerdom as a result of government institutions, largely your so-called universities, and now your high schools, grade schools, all the way down to kindergarten. And some states have screwed up as California to teach them that queer is good, healthy, normal, and natural. It's obviously not. You would not, you could not genetically get from 2% of the population to 14%. Now, it could be the District of Columbia being the seat of government stuck on queerdom. And I, I offhand, I kind of tend to think that Satan has homosexual tendencies. Is it his orientation or his preference? I don't know. We know that the demonic angels came down and had sex with women. That comes out of Genesis, right? So they were heterosexual at the least. But hey, you know what? I'm getting way off here. But the fact that 14.3% of D.C. is queer tells you who is drawn 
to the seat of government by which they can then force their opinions, their policies, and their dogma on the rest of the country. It's one reason I love Vivek Ramaswamy. Get rid of the Department of Education. Get rid of these departments. The ones we need, cut them in half. You'll send the queers packing along with the others. And the states that follow up with the most in succession, as a percentage of their population, Oregon, blue, D.C. blue, Oregon blue, Delaware blue, then Vermont blue, New Hampshire, which uh, went blue most recently, they're all over 7%. The state with the most queer is California, 1.55 million. So there you go. And interestingly, the amount of people identifying as being queer, the highest group is, guess what? Gen Z, the ones that went through the queer indoctrination program in their schools. 15.2%, 15, one out of every seven Gen Zers pretend to be queer. They're not. But you take the next group up, which is what? Uh, is that Gen X? I'm not sure. They're 9.1% queer. And then you get to uh, millennials and you're at uh, a lower rate. So understand here, for each age demographic, the percentage that identifies as being queer goes down the higher the age group. So let me throw out this question. How is that possible if it's genetically determined? Unless we get back to the drinking water, climate change, and Chinese food that's turning straight people into queers genetically. It comes down to uh, the increase in government school grooming, both directly and, I would say, indirectly. Well, let me see what i got time for as we wrap up here. Um, I think I'm going to be able to get this piece in here. I wanted to end the year with with a little glimpse of some of the kinds of things that we're going to include as they come up, as they are important, seems important to pass on in 2024 about how do we survive in a world that's going to hell around us. I don't see the United States surviving. I really do not. We've lived longer than any constitutional republic in history. They all go down for the same reason, a moral implosion. And that's where we are. Not to say we can't survive and thrive, because we're going to be spending time on how you do that. And it's probably going to be on-the-job training. But Senator Scott out of uh, Florida stated that we need, he said, um, we have to be concerned about our food supply and for good cause. And he's been saying this for a long time. He said, quote, Communist China is led by an evil regime that refuses to play by our rules, enforce U.S. safety and health standards, or have Americans' best interests in mind. This unfortunate fact means that food and products from Communist China carry increased risks of being grown or produced in dangerous, low-quality conditions. And this is what he set forth in a letter to the National Growers Association a couple weeks ago 
which represents 21,000 grocers around the country, to make his case using a particular product. He focused on something I would never have guessed. Garlic. Now, I don't know where you buy your garlic. If, if I have ever bought garlic in my life, it would only have been because my wife sent me to the store to do it. And she would have given me instructions that would have relieved me of any cognitive responsibilities to actually pay attention to what I was doing because I had it written down in front of me. Anyway, garlic. What about garlic? He said he has reliable evidence that indicates that the garlic imported in the U.S. from China, in many cases, maybe not all cases, but in many cases, I didn't even know we imported garlic. Why wouldn't you just grow that here and ship it 50 miles down the road instead of having it come thousands of miles across the ocean? Well, I guess because they can grow it cheaper. And why can they grow it cheaper? Because they have a cheaper fertilizer than we use. And it's called, hope you're ready, human feces. And other forms of raw human sewage as a common fertilizer in China used probably in broader markets than just garlic, but apparently it's been verified in the garlic department. Hey, no wonder garlic stinks. Well, but that's not the end of it. After that, because of the unsanitary conditions under which it's grown and the discoloration owing to the unsanitary conditions, China has been known to bleach the garlic to make it appear whiter and cleaner to the eye. And as Mr. Scott states, to, quote, cover up the filthy conditions in which it was grown. And this sits on top of the, the allegations and to some extent verified about the lead poisoning coming from Chinese products. Some are there now investigating cinnamon uh, that's used in certain brands of applesauce pouches that were recently recalled for the likelihood of lead and now the investigation is, is China involved with China hates us. When can we get that through our mind? You know, so the, the fact is there is a, as Scott goes on to say, that there's a Trade Expansion Act which allows the Commerce Department to open an investigation to ascertain the effect of specific imports on national security. Isn't that interesting about national security? He said food safety and security is an existential emergency that poses grave threats to our national security, public health, and economic prosperity. Well, interestingly, um, gosh, isn't it about time that conservatives start using the left's word by which they bludgeon the, the right, existential? Why don't we start using existential threat language right back at the left. So what Scott says is we want to we have a bill to prevent importation of products made in communist China unless the federal government can certify the conditions and processes in which the products are grown and manufactured, whether or not they meet U.S. standards, laws, and trade practices. Fair enough. Except the left is having a, a hissy fit about this. 
ignoring the fact that <laughs> what the left is objecting to is exactly what they were all crazy about California being able to do, and that was California's chicken condo law that went into effect, that chickens, you, you can't sell the eggs unless you can certify that the chickens were grown under certain conditions that gave them room to uh, roam around the pen and play billiards or what have you. Couldn't do that. And you can't import your eggs into California from another state unless you can certify that you are meeting California's standards. You see, California and the California left imposed a standard which they now object to, the United States imposing on China. Well, I am going to stop there. That's a little bit of a taste. I'm not going to go down food by food throughout 2024. But as these stories come up, we're just going to have to be careful. We're going to have to know the word. But in addition to know the word, there's that passage, I think it's in Isaiah, that you know, the, the Lord may speak something to our left ear to say, turn left or turn right. That he's, there are times when we're going to have to be truly listening to what the Spirit says to the churches, like it says, like the Holy Spirit says seven times in the book of Revelation. What is the Spirit saying to the churches? <clears throat> we have the Word of God, but there are those times that the Word does not tell us specifically, buy, don't buy this garlic. Or don't buy these vitamins. I've ditched and dumped every single vitamin that has any association with China. I don't know what's in it. Could be poison. Could be like the vaccine. Kills as many or more than it, than it cures or heals or prevents. You're going to have to know this stuff. And be open to being taught by the Holy Spirit. Which way do I go? Do I go or do I stay? As the old song says. Do I turn left or do I turn right or do I go straight? We're going to have more of those things because while we live by the word, the word doesn't address certain specific day-to-day -day circumstances, communications, exchanges with people. The Holy Spirit is going to have to tell you whether or not you are casting pearls before swine. Now, we're not supposed to cast pearls before swine, but when you are casting or getting ready to cast pearls before swine, Something has to tell you that. And that's the Holy Spirit. And we are going to see in 2024 a greater move of the Holy Spirit in directing people's actions and directions, maybe in healings, maybe things of that sort. Because when things get worse, as things get darker, as we started out, it take, does not take a lot of light to dispel the darkness. All I've read this Christmas season is a slaughter of Christians in different places, the Middle East, Africa, India. What was the over 100 Christians were uh, slaughtered Christmas Day in Nigeria? But you know what? You can't throw water on a gasoline fire, can you? No, you only help the fire spread. You cannot put out the Holy Spirit any more than you can extinguish matter. You can, it may be, maybe water turns to ice, maybe it turns to water vapor, but you can't get rid of it any more than you can get rid of the truth of God's Word. We're going to have to be armed with that sort of truth and listening to the Holy Spirit going into 2024 to give us the direction and understanding that in whatever darkness we are living in, wherever we are settled, wherever God has appointed us to be, 
You are the light, the light of the world, because Jesus was that light to you. God bless you. Sit tall in the saddle. Remember, you ride for the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ. See you next week.